0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Pardon me while I adjust the headset a little bit here. Okay, so we are reading in Romans, and in our last session, we read uh, Romans chapter 1, where Paul does a greeting, but at the end, um, he does say that the, uh, the righteous shall live by faith for in righteousness, um the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith meaning you know faith is growing more faith the righteous shall live by faith um, so our faith produces more faith you know um, and then he talks largely at the end of the end of the chapter and now remember this is really all one letter and I'm going to try to do this as cohesively as possible and at the end of Romans we will try to do a summary of and try to come back and make sure that we hit all the points of this as best we can. Um, it is long for a letter, but he was trying to teach them a lot, and so there's a lot to it. Um, anyway, so uh, here at the end of chapter 1 in Romans, Paul was talking about uh, the unrighteous, and how um, like at the end, though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Um, even though they know it's wrong and they know that there is God, they still do these things. And these are these are the truly unrighteous, not not just folks who uh, maybe have rejected God outright, who you know Paul kind of considered as uh, you know kind of a silly. Um, unlearned notion, the idea that there's no God. Um, because you can see God in all of creation. None of this happened by accident or by random chance. Um, and we don't want to get into all that. That's a that's a whole other thing I would like to go through one day, but uh, not right now. So here we're going to pick up in chapter 2. And Paul is talking In other words, he's talking about hypocrites, and he's saying that perhaps in a way, well, he's not saying what I'm about to say, but he's saying that, you know, if we're doing these things, if we're doing any of the unrighteous things he mentioned beforehand, which he mentions a lot of stuff, and some of it's really bad in in our human estimation, okay? It's all bad, but in our human estimation, some of it's really bad, but he also mentions things that maybe some of us are doing. And so we don't want to be hypocritical. Anyway, I'll continue on with what Paul was saying. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness? Now he's talking about God's kindness here. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You know, do you not understand that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance and we should repent for the wrong things we're doing? but because of your hard and impenitent heart you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when god's righteous judgment will be revealed now here i think a lot of this is intended at honestly at at jews or pharisees or people of that mindset who are you know quick to judge others and blaming them for things you know that they do themselves Glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So what he's stressing here is that God is going to treat us all the same, and if we're doing good works and doing what we should be and not judging others and not, you know, not doing any of these unrighteous things and not judging others, um, we shouldn't be judging others. And and I think that's a big part of of this. Um so let's uh let's continue on let's see uh, cha- uh verse twelve that's still chapter two verse twelve for all for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God but the doers of the law who will be justified, so when we are doers and like Jesus really gave us just a couple of commandments, but when we're doers of the law, when we're doers of God's word, we are justified. Okay, it's not just the hearers. You have to be a doer. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So you can have people, and, and they did have people back in this day, who were actually possibly um, basically following the law without knowing the law. They're still doing the good and right things that God would want us to do, and um, they're doing it out of their own out of their heart um so and they're doing it like kind of in a i, I hate to say a natural way but they're they're doing it in kind of a, a natural way like they have their own um they have their own law within themselves and they follow you know they basically follow God's law within themselves it's the best way i know to put it it's hard to uh, for me to think of a better way to explain it right now um Because they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And they have a conscience that bears witness to what is good and what is bad. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them, and, you know, we all have conflicting thoughts at times. We have to control those thoughts. Okay, so, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Okay, so... So there are conflicting thoughts, accuse or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So, they will still be judged by God. I don't know how that, you know, it sounds like we'll accuse or even excuse them. I I'm not sure how that would work out exactly, but uh, we'll come back to this, and we'll try to we'll try to look at all of this in a more in-depth way. Right now, um, I'm trying to read through and have us understand what we can here. We're going to come back through again. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? So I'm getting the feeling that Paul is really trying to impress upon them that if they are following the law and teaching the law, that um, That they better not be doing the law. They better not be doing things against the law. They better, you know, but that they will be judged by the law that they preach and teach. Okay? So, you know, it may take me a while as we read through for me to understand some ideas. Uh, I'm just a normal person, and while I have read all of this at different times, that doesn't mean I always understand everything or remember everything. So um I'm just you know just a regular person. So um So um he's talking about why you preach against stealing do you steal you know are you being a hypocrite he's you know um and and so far he's talking about them being under the law or following the law so and teaching the law you who say that one must not commit adultery do you commit adultery you who who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. Well, I guess that's true. We boast by the law and then we break it. We are dishonoring God. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because if you're a hypocrite, people don't believe you if you're a hypocrite. And and he's still talking about, I really believe he's stressing this to the Jews, and this is uh, more about the law right here. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Right? If you're a hypocrite and you're not following what you preach and what you teach and what you're learning and not doing what you should, then you basically are, it's like you're becoming unsaved. For us, that would be like if we're not following and doing what we should, um, it's like we're becoming unsaved. Now, it's different if you're asking for forgiveness, and, um, you know, like we all have our daily walk that we go through and we need to ask for forgiveness, things like that. That's normal, and uh, we will have to deal with that every day but we need to continue to get get ourselves back up every day and keep trying and keep working to follow Jesus and do what we should. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And the answer to that is a rhetorical question, but the answer to this is yes, because he's talking in a spiritual sense, not in an actual physical sense. Now that is the end of chapter 2. But we're not done here. Um, what we're trying to understand here is uh, in chapter 1, Paul has talked about you know the unrighteous and all the unrighteous things, and then he's talking here in chapter 2 about not judging. Again, this relates back to the unrighteous, not judging the unrighteous and doing and continuing in those practices. Um, so, and then he's talking about judgment and the law. Okay, so he's talking about not being a hypocrite and not being judging others for doing the same things you're doing. Okay, um, just because you maybe do it in secret or whatever. But um, also, then he's talking about the law. So this is definitely intended to be to the the Jews of the uh, of the group because you know they're the ones that would still be wanting. You know, it's a it's kind of. I don't know what you, I do not like change that much. It's hard to change. Change is work. And um, it could be that they were having a hard time changing over. And um, so this is more about the Jews and the law. And he's explained to them, if you live under the law, if you go by the law, then you better follow the law. If that's what you're teaching and preaching, you better follow the law and not be breaking the law. The same idea applies to us as Christians, though. If we're going to teach and preach about Christianity, and the main commandments from Jesus for that are, you know, the two love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and everything, basically. Let's just say with everything. And then, you know, the other one is to love your neighbor or love others as yourself, care about other people. And uh, that. That is, uh, that's what we need to be following, and that's what we need to be preaching and teaching. Yeah, there's there's other details, I know. There's other things, and, and I didn't want to get into all those details, but if we're telling people, hey, you should not commit adultery, we should not be committing adultery, just like he's saying here. And if we're saying don't be stealing, we should not be stealing. If we're preaching to be honest and have integrity, that's what we should have. If we're teaching that we should be honest and have integrity. That's what we should be practicing. So I think that that is pretty straightforward actually. Now I want to go back because sometimes, and I hope you'll bear with me on, on this, I want to go back and look at this from the Amplified Bible and see if it just elaborates more on this, uh, if it will give us any further insight into this. So. I think this is going to read pretty much the same, but let's just start. We're we're still in Romans chapter 2, and um, this is verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse or justification, every one of you who hypocritically judges and condemns others. For in passing judgment on another person you condemn yourself, because you who judge from a position of arrogance and self-righteousness are habitually practicing the very same things which you denounce. So we are, I think we are getting the right of this. And we know that the judgment of God falls justly and in accordance with truth on those who practice such things. But do you think this, O man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things, and yet do the same yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his verdict? And the answer to that is no, you will not. If you're expecting them to, you're going to be judged the same for doing the same thing. Or do you have no regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience in withholding his wrath? Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is, to change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Seek his purpose for your life. And that's the whole idea of God's kindness is to bring us back to him, to have us repent and come back to him and seek his purpose for our lives. That's, yeah, can't say that any better really. But because of your callous stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are deliberately storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So when you're judging hypocritically, you're just Yeah, you're just hurting yourself in the end. I mean, that's what we're really saying here. He will pay back to each person according to his deeds, justly as his deeds deserve. And there we're talking about, you know, doing good works, what we do for others, how we how we do for others. To those who by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, and immortality, meaning we're seeking the things of heaven, we're trying to help and love and care for one another without expecting anything in return except, you know, the heavenly blessings after this life or just ex- just doing it out of the love of God. You know what I mean? I mean, we're just doing it for the right reasons. We're not really expecting anything back. Okay, so let me finish that. I'm sorry, I sort of stopped. So, to those who by persistence in doing good seek unseen but certain heavenly glory, honor, and immortality, he will give the gift of eternal life. But for those who are selfishly ambitious and self-seeking and disobedient to the truth, but responsive to wickedness, there will be wrath and indignation. So, for those who are just serving their own selfish needs and wants, and you know, again, and it really does come down to selfishness. You know, most of the times, sin comes down to us selfishly wanting something or wanting to do something, or, you know what I mean, that's uh, that's the way, that's the way most sin is, most of it is very selfish, I'll have to try to think of an exception, and I can't think of one right now, all right, so there will be tribulation and anguish, torturing confinement for every human soul who does, who does or permits evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek, now it's interesting that they say does or permits evil, we should not permit evil. Our society, we need to work within our society, not in a violent way, not in a bad way, but to change to change it so that we're not permitting evil. And Right now there are certain evil practices that are occurring and society is permitting and we need to work to try to change that. Not to be mean to anyone, but when when they're committing these evil acts, they're hurting themselves. And we know that. We know that. Even if they don't, we know that. And we need to try to get that across for their own sake. Not for our sake, but for their own sake. Alright. Um, so. Oh, and I, I stopped in the middle of that too. Sorry. There will be tribulation and anguish, torturing confinement for every human soul who does or permits evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and inner peace will be given to everyone who habitually does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And there we're talking about, hopefully, us Christians, hopefully that's what we're doing. We're habitually doing good. For God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism. With him, one person is not more important than another. That's the whole idea. God treats us all equally important. He loves us all. He cares about us all. Okay. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. So, you know, these guys, these people who are or were following the law, that's what they will be judged by. And the law does not give the same you know, the law does not have the same forgiveness, the same grace that we have um, under the New Testament, the New Covenant. For it is not those who merely hear the law as it is read aloud, you know, not just hearers, who are just or righteous before God, but it is those who actually obey the law who will be justified by pronounced free of the guilt of sin and declared acceptable to him. So you have to be a doer. And we say the same thing. So, um, I'm going to read a little note here they have. Because of one's personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, God graciously credits his righteousness to the believer. Now, that's, that's the way it works for us. God sees us. As if we're Jesus. That's why we're in the body of Christ. That's why we're in the church. That's why we're saved through Jesus. And Jesus is our mediator. And God sees us through, like, a, I imagine it sometimes is like God sees me through or behind Jesus. So that He sees Jesus and Jesus actually, um, puts me in right standing, makes me righteous to, to go before God because Jesus is there for me. And some people, sometimes you can think of him as your lawyer too, your mediator, and he's there for you, working your case for you. Either no matter how you imagine it, it's just how I see it in my head, um, He He graciously credits us his righteousness. You know, he gives us His righteousness. Um, now justification denotes a legal standing with God as designated only by God. But basically justification is like making us um, uh, to where we are. It is possible for us to stand before God. It makes us, Jesus makes us clean without sin so that we are worthy to stand before God. Because without Jesus, without the Lord, we would not be worthy to stand before God. Um, If we tried to stand before God, I imagine we would just be eradicated because we would have sin and, and it would just not be possible. So, God declares a believer to be acquitted or innocent, then designates the believer to be brought into right standing before him. Now that's another you know, justification. That's another part of justification. God declares us acquitted or innocent and designates us to be brought into right standing with him or before him so that we can go before him. We're made to be innocent. And that's all really all because of Jesus' sacrifice that we can do that. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear because it's important that we know that that's the way it works for us. Now, here Paul is still referring to the law, so When he refers to the law, that's the old Jewish covenant. But still, they could be, there was some justification in the law, but you had to obey the law. You had to, like, toe that line. So, anyway. So, we're going to move on. When Gentiles who do not have the law, since it was only given to the Jews, do instinctively or by nature the things the law requires, guided only by their conscience... They are a law to themselves, though they do not have the law. So, when Gentiles are doing these things, they don't have the law, they don't have the teaching, they don't have the covenant, but they're doing what they should be doing, guided by their conscience. They are a law to themselves. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts, and their conscience, their sense of right and wrong, their moral choices, bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately wait, yes, that's right, and their thoughts alternately accusing or perhaps defending them on that day when, as my gospel proclaims, God will judge the secrets, all the hidden thoughts and concealed sins of men through Christ Jesus. So, I'm looking at a note here. Let me check that. Oh, come on. Okay. Okay. Pardon me. So people could have followed the law just through a conscience, you know, an act of their conscience and a code. Now, we tend to believe, and I I tend to hold this true, that it's very hard to go through the world and live as a Christian without actually following and believing the Christian way and being saved. I I, I find that hard, difficult for someone to do. I'm not going to say it's impossible. Maybe God has some special thing and makes that possible, but it's not anything I'm aware of. As far as I know, we all must come to God through Jesus. We must be saved through Jesus, through baptism. So, just saying that's the way I see that. Um, Here, back in the old law, though, Gentiles could live by their conscience and have the law on their hearts, but through their actions. And I believe that is what Paul is referring to because he keeps referring to the law and he's talking. I think this is intended to be more to the Jews of this congregation at this time. But if you bear the name Jew and rely on the law for your salvation and boast in your special relationship to God, and if you claim to know his will and approve the things that are essential or have a sense of what is excellent based on your instruction from the law, And if you are confident that you are a qualified guide to the blind, those untaught in theology, a light to those who are in darkness, and that you are a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the spiritually childish, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth, well then, you who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Now this is getting into where Paul is really going to talk to them about, you know, teaching themselves and following what they teach. Let's see, this was such a long sentence. I'm sorry, this was a long sentence to a number of verses here. So, he's definitely speaking to the Jews here and about them relying on the law for their salvation. Okay? And boasting in their special relationship and if you claim to know his will and approve, so if they and approve the things that are essential, so they're um, basically telling people what are what is good and what they have to do, and what they don't have to do, you know, or they have a sense of what is excellent. Uh, See, based on, and they're basing everything on the law, and they consider themselves instructors or teachers, and they're, you know, they think they're the ones to teach to teach the new ones, you know, um, then do you not teach yourself? You know, he's this, that, that's, that is a long sentence, but basically, let's see if we can summarize this. He's basically saying if you're a Jew and you rely on the law and you're teaching others and you claim to be, you know, a teacher and you claim to be, you know, uh, knowledgeable, then do you not teach yourself? You know, you who preach against stealing, do you steal in ways that are discreet but just as sinful? See, do, do, are you stealing in other ways? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Now there's a note here in Judaism at that time, one of the leading schools of thought taught that a man could divorce his wife for any reason, such as cooking a bad meal. Paul may have in mind men who use a flimsy excuse to divorce their wives, with the real intent of marrying another woman. In God's eyes, this is an actual an act of adultery. Right? If you are really just divorcing your wife for not a good reason, just so you can be with another woman, um, then you know, even in their day, that would have been that would have been adultery. So. So that, because that is really, that is just a different form of adultery than just going out and, and, and sleeping around, we'll call it that. So, you who detest idols, do you rob pagan temples of valuable idols and offerings? You who boast in the law, do you repeatedly dishonor God by breaking the law? Because, you know, this is like the Pharisees, they were, they were breaking God's law because they would give their own interpretations priority over the plain meaning of the scriptures. Now, I'm getting that from a note here. But the Pharisees would distort the law or God's word, because they would give priority to what they thought was important, what they thought the interpretation was, and it would be over you know, it would be, that would be they would hold that as more of a priority and more important than the actual simple plain meaning of the Word, of God's Word, of the law. So we need to be aware that we're not doing that too. Sometimes the Bible is very plain. Sometimes when you look at what Jesus said, he was plain spoken. Now I know there are parables, and sometimes those, some of them might be a little difficult to understand, but there are plenty of times where Jesus and Paul and different people Peter, all of them. John, there's different times. Luke that they, they just say things. That they just say something. They just put it out there, and it's very plain spoken, and it's obvious. So when that when that happens, we, you know we need to recognize that. So um, all right. I'm going to continue on. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written in Scripture. Circumcision, the sign of the covenant of Abraham, is indeed of value if you practice the law. But if you habitually break the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. It is meaningless in God's sight. That's what we were speaking about earlier. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded by God as circumcision? And that's a rhetorical question, and yes, spiritually it would then he who is physically uncircumcised, but keeps the spirit of the law, will judge you who, even though you have written code and circumcision, break the law. Um, For he is not a real Jew who is only one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and true circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the fulfillment of the letter of the law. His praise is not from men, but from God. So, here, in this, this final little bit, and I may have missed that earlier, in a way, because we're following the new law, it's like we are also Jews, because we are following, we are following the law In our hearts, we are, um, let me see if I can see this again, Um, he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and true circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the fulfillment of the letter of the law. So his praise is not for men, but from God. So, in a way, in a spiritual way, not in a true physical way, or even a hereditary DNA way, uh, but spiritually, we are grafted in. As Gentiles, we are grafted in to be God's people. So that makes us a Jew in that sense, in a spiritual way. And we, we recognize that. I'm not the first person to ever say that. I'm sure you've heard that. But that is the idea that uh, Paul is getting across here um, at, at the end of this chapter here because he's speaking of you know, circumcision of not that not having value, and what really matters is the circumcision of the heart, meaning that we're trying to follow God's law, follow God's word, which the word now is the New, is the new Testament and the New Covenant, not the old one, but still. Um, so that spiritually grafts us into God's family and makes us his people um, as if we were Jews. So let's see. I hope that that has been helpful. That is the end of chapter 2. We've gone through it, and I tried to make sure that I covered Paul's points. I hope I did an okay job. It's helpful to me, and I hope it's helpful to you. So, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. Now, remember to stay safe out there. Um, Think of others. Keep others in mind. Um, I know right now we're having some weird times, so... uh, Remember, remember that God loves you.